Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. When we start the recording, Jed gets to say one, two, three, and then to hit record and everything. It all syncs up and everything. But I, I never get to say one, two, three. You've been complaining about that for some 300 episodes now. Yeah, it's... It could be over by now. It's, a, it's an open wound, really. Wow. Good Great luck. Too. Yeah, it's, it's, also it's joining wrong. us, the man who we have archived evidence can count to three. He's also <laughs> the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. Glenn, if you'd like, we can stop this recording right now. Yeah, yeah. Start over and you can count it in. I think that's a great idea. So shall I hit the space bar and stop this recording then? Well, as far as you, the listener, know, we did that. It was okay. a rousing success. Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church for the Younger. This is no lie. I think we recorded like 170 episodes, and I used to try to mimic saying one, two, three aloud with Jed, and then at some point realized, before I hit record, it doesn't matter what I say. Right. That's true. Also, you're probably only inflaming Glenn's jealousy. That's right. Over cool people counting. count to three. Yeah, I never get a chance to do it. Well, I'd love for us to stay and chat more about, you know, things like this, but I have an emergency to declare. Oh, wow. thank the Lord. And it's not a counting-related emergency. Double or thank the Lord. is it? Oh, no. It does involve counting and accounting and points and the removal of points based on misbehavior. I think uh, we're all excited. I like that. Wow. Oh, yeah. I think I think this is something you'll be able to sink your teeth into. Okay. Uh, friend of the show and longtime podcast superfan, Adam W. Woo! W is not actually his last name. Oh. That's, that's pretty obvious. Let's call him A. Whedon. You know. It's an initial that oh. we use to protect his identity. Oh, that's cool. For the sake of privacy. Like Batman. People don't want to be associated with this, and they're right. So if it was you, we, it would be Glenn F. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you could you could be like if you were gonna talk to me. Yes. But you didn't want people to know my name. Yes. You'd say like now, Glenn F you do a lot of things <laughs> to help people. Yeah, yes, that's that's right. That's Here's right. the thing. Glenn and Jed spend so much time together being awful. I honestly don't know if Jed was trying to set that exact thing up or if Glenn just took his moment. I think it's great either way. But Adam W., who really does need his you know privacy protected, given how horrible we are in this show, yeah. he writes in a report that he's relocated and he's trying out churches and he goes to a church and they have a fog machine. Nope. Okay. Well, he had the same thought. <laughs> Yeah. And his question for for this Algonquin roundtable was is that an automatic disqualifier? Uh it feels pretty close, yeah. Or is it a points reduction? Okay. And if it's a points reduction, how many? Okay. Okay, wow. here here at the Say That podcast, I think it's fair to say that we subscribe to the Seinfeld tipping model of church trying outing. Here's how this works. Okay. Mm. You go to a church on Sunday morning, and they are allotted 100 points. Right. That's where they start. Right, okay. Various bad things they shouldn't be doing, for example, fog machines, remove points from that value. Right. At a certain critical juncture, 
They've lost enough points. You should get up and leave. We're done here. Right. That's right. <laughs> That's how this works. That's uh-huh. how we do church evaluation. You okay. brought this upon yourself, church. You, right. Church, you knew what this was. Right. Presumably, okay. you could do something to gain points, but we haven't experienced a church doing that yet. <laughs> no. Okay, so to make the math easy, you start with 100 when you walk in the door, and at zero, we're out. Right. So the question, gentlemen, before us today is how many points reduction did they get off of the old fog machine? That's it's got to be a lot of points. Okay, I have questions. I have follow up questions that Adam, I assume, did not include in his missive, so we're going to have to figure them out for ourselves. Um, I think context is key here, gentlemen. Okay, because um, it this all depends on how was the smoke machine deployed. Yes, and when. Mm. Yes. So if it's during the worship, it's not great, but eh, you know, it's that's it's a it's minor. It's yes. a minor infraction. If it's during the sermon. That's bad. Yeah. And it can be bad in different ways. If it was used as a sermon example, minus 100 points. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's right. like, it's like you know, right. sometimes it's like you're lost in a fog. <laughs> yeah. Right there. Done. All right. You're out. Gotta leave. Yeah. Yes. Um, if it's, you know, if it's at the beginning of the sermon, we were talking about this, is the pastor, if the pastor needs fog for the walk-up entrance, Ooh, yeah, that's, that's bad. It's yeah, not 100 bad. points bad, but it's bad. Okay. And I would proffer this. Just we're not on negativity here on the Say That podcast. If the sermon ends, and you know they'll do like the transition where they bring the worship team back up, and you know he'll he'll like pray, and you can hear him like kind of stretching out the prayer as they're tuning up. Like, and you know, Lord, we just want to repeat that we hope for blessing and lots of blessing, and don't like, okay, we're good. And um, if the fog starts. And the pastor just disappears into it. Ooh. And that's how he ends the sermon. Yeah. Just like a Homer Simpson kind of thing. Yep. I'm willing to add one point for that. <laughs> so as a net just, positive. Just of one on point. the just pure wackiness. Of yeah. That. Just yeah. This is a question for you, Matt, specifically, because I know how much you appreciate the Batman. Yeah, yeah. If, I do like the Batman. If there's a ministry opportunity in the church where Okay, anybody that wants to be on the team that goes to minister to widows and orphans, come up here right now, and then we will, like, it's like they throw down the uh, the little smoke bomb, and then you get to disappear and go off to do your ministry in the in the fog. That might not even be a points reduction. Oh, no, that, yes. We, and we've been clear on this program. We're pro-smoke bomb. Absolutely. Right, sure. That's, yeah. If you're in an awkward conversation that you don't know how to yeah. get out of. Here's the thing, as the pastor says, if he, if it was honest, and said, folks, I spent a lot of time working on that eight-point analogy about, uh, you know, Dutch painting. And I really thought I was going to bring this home. It didn't work. Smoke bomb! It ran <laughs> off? Great. Yeah. that's, that's yeah. Now, he, he's, he's down points for, for dinking the sermon. Right. But he's up points for that. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's all about ap- application. Absolutely. Points for showmanship. Well, I'll give you another possible points, you know, uh, positive Sure, it's going to swing you the way. Children's sermon. Yes. You just use it to freak out the kids. <laughs> you, turn you started so well. Here's what I'm saying. Because with what you do is you bring the kids up. You know how you do with the kids? Bring them up and say, boys and girls, you yeah. know, just glad to have you here. And t- today we're going to talk about fire safety. Sure. <laughs> sure. Really the sermon now, topic, what would you do? Important. You know, Stop it's like. Because it's like hell is fire, right. and then you have oh to be safe from it with salvation, because hell is real, and then you just turn on the fog machine. Yes. Right? Yes. You start maniacally laughing as smoke billows in. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. Yes. You're going to get some kids saved off of that. Yes. <laughs> it, is it right? No, it's not right. But, you know, yeah, that 
it would fit. It would make sense. Does it get results? That's the thing that we want to know. Well, I I don't know. This may be a bad idea, but but it may just crack the whole thing wide open. You tell me. Here's what I'm saying is, can we figure out, as far as deciding how many points are taken off for various things in the churches, can we create a metric whereby we tabulate how much money did this device cost that could have gone to missions? And that's how you Ah. figure it out. Ah, that's, that's an excellent that's question. Bad news measure. for churches. Yeah. Well, as our crack team of Say That researchers Googles the cost of fog machines, <laughs> here's a couple of possibilities and opportunities. One, Glenn, I love what you're saying. I'm with looking the at this. It's all badger research. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I, Glenn, I, I love your concept of the children's ministry because I think there's also a way to do you know some synergy here. Yeah. All right. If there's one thing that children's ministry love, it's a live nativity. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Fog's going to spook the mamas. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. this, this is bad. You're talking this about a stampede <laughs> situation, and I'm all for it. This is what I'm talking about. A live Throw nativity. down your coats. Live nativity petting zoo completely covered in fog. Right. Yes. Yeah. Will it be a stampede? It, did someone bring a python? It's hard right. to know. It, look, look you're, you're intriguing. Yes. If you're saying... Live nativity, yes, with a pack of animals, yes, that could not that they absolutely will, but that at some point in the service they could break free and go nuts. In <laughs> yes, there. yes, element of danger that I'm a hundred percent in favor of. Yes, absolutely. I mean, basically, what we're what we're slowly describing here is a John Carpenter esque horror film just mm-hmm. on Sunday morning. That's what right. we're constructing. We've all right. been to church services that are not dissimilar from that. Yes, the creeping dread. I have. I have here the printout from our crack research team. Okay. Gentlemen, prepare yourselves for good news. Okay. Okay. Um, most fog machines are under 50 bucks. Wow. Really? Well, okay. If you go to Amazon, Amazon's Choice, a professional fog machine, the remote control portable smoking, uh, $41.99. Okay. No way. Second. Fog juice. Oh, that's fog, true. Okay. That's how they get you. Fog that's juice, they... uh, a gallon for about 15 bucks. Okay. That's not bad. That's not bad. So if if you if you use the fog machine maybe a couple of times, so you gotta save it. You're 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 taking a significant hit in your overall yeah schmucko point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's no lasers. We can clear it. Fog machine uh, definitely falls below lasers. Yeah, for sure. You know, here's what I love about this: is this is the thing that we've learned. Is if you have a board, you know, uh, 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 or elder. Uh, board oh, elders, not like wood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If if you, if you have a group of leaders oh, in the I'm church, sorry. I was, was going to be one of those like we call it the board of corrections. It, it's then, you know. it, exactly. There's a, a. It's absolutely essential. You have one person. You don't need more than one. Yeah. You definitely need one. Who, when someone says something. Truly, yes, galactically stupid. Yes, <laughs> that person has the courage, the forethought, the 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 wherewithal to just snap. Yes, and and just start. You know, like get get a piece of uh, uh you know, like a, a the ma- printouts of the meeting and rolls them up into like a cone yes. and just smacks them yes. with the papers. Yes. Like a no. Like a yeah, like a dog's climbing up on yes. something. Or spray bottle with water in it. Yes. You know, just the same principle. It just spray. 
Yes. No. No. Get down from there. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Because here's what happened. Somebody says, look, fellas, I know how this is going to sound. Fog machine. Yeah. You had a room full of people, an entire room full of people who said, that's it, Johnson. You cracked it. Yeah. You did it. You did it. You sold us. You broke this thing wide open. Well, that's the thing to me. As, As we pointed out, if we stumbled into a building where there happened to be a fog machine right. and some fog juice, I think we could come up with interesting applications, hilarious applications for that. Right. It's the fact that there was, there was a point where we had no fog machine. Yeah. And somebody was doing something where they said, you know what we need? Fog machine. You know what I'm going to purchase and fill out an expense report and involve paperwork in? Yes. <laughs> the acquisition of a fog machine. Right. And that's... Uh, Here's the thing, you, you had a lot of opportunities to realize that was a bad idea. You thought fog machine, you said fog machine out loud. Yeah. You got in the car to drive to the guitar center, you were handing him the church card, again, you were going to fill out the you know, expense report, and you're like, yeah, I had lunch with so-and-so, and that was 20 bucks, and then fog machine. At all these points, you could have gotten off this highway, and you just right. pulled through. That's yeah. right. It, there, there had to have been a moment where you said to yourself, you know, maybe this is the kind of thing that would be openly mocked. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, and we do, we do need to wrap it up here, but I just want to plant this. Maybe we can pick it up later on. Now I have a, a, a rage project, as Jed often mentions. Things we can donate to churches that they'll have to have. Oh, yeah. Okay. And people will think they got it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like, we can get you two fog machines, and now you just got fog machines. Yeah. Right. And every time people walk in, they're like, what the heck are those? Those are our fog machines. Why do you have fog machines? You don't understand. Right. Oh, I a, understand. Yeah, I, I get what's going on over here. No, just something to cook on. Well, as I go to declare emergency off, I do want to point out there is one possible way for this to be a net cost savings. Oh. And it takes us back again to the unholy uh, uh, petting zoo fog machine hybrid. Okay. Petting zoo has to have a certain critical number of animals. Right. It's not a petting zoo with one sheep. It's right. just a sheep. That's just a sheep. That's and even you know, like a sheep and a goat. That's not really a zoo. No, you need a dozen animals. That's no, just a yard so, at that yeah. point. Exactly right. You, you don't want that. It's like renting animals is expensive, y'all. Yeah. Okay. But the fog obscures what you can see. Ah. Oh. You get you one sheep. You get you one goat. Bring them around back. Exactly right. Those are like your headliner animals. Right. And then, but you need about a dozen animals. You know, right. People say, how many animals you got your petting zoo? A couple dozen, y'all. Right, I mean, right. it's really great. The rest, lizards. Wow. Nobody can see them through the fog. You've saved so much money. It's uh, great. Uh, oh, oh, There's okay. so many animals that are easier to get than lizards. Lizards! But you went to lizards. Okay. Where are you from why? again, Jeff? You got your sheep. <laughs> Florida, why do you ah, ask? You well, got, mystery solved. It's a really flirt idea. You got your sheep. <laughs> I, I Florida man arrested transporting 12 <laughs> lizards across state lines for church purposes. Please, two dozen. You got one sheep, you got one goat, and a couple dozen lizards crawling around in the fog. <laughs> On that basis, and by the way, Adam, per your question, if they had a bunch of lizards, I think we can give them a net point increase because they're trying to be good stewards. That's what they're doing with Before them. you close it, 99 lizards, but you, if you find the one that has the number one painted on it, you get the prize. Yes! Sure, that's, that's you, a fundraiser. They left is. the 99, you found the one. Just that's a children's service. That's your children's You sermon. cracked it. That's it. On that basis, we declare an emergency off. Yes.
Lizards in the Fog is my favorite Crichton novel. <laughs> That's well done. <laughs> well, that was a that was a journey for all of us, really. You know, beforehand, a little behind the curtain here, folks. Before we we hit record, we tend to say, "Well, what are we going to do the emergency on?" If we've gotten a a funny uh, message like this week with Adam or last week with uh, Guinevere's tweet, uh, we'll say, "Oh, let's talk about that." That's normally as far as it gets. So, part of what you hear during the emergency is even us being shocked at how quickly and thoroughly it unravels. Lizards in the fog. <laughs> Lizards in the fog. <laughs> That's why Bridgebox, we give ourselves an entire month before we put it out. We Just to go over, so do we really want to put this in here? Sure. You know, he's sermons and songs and Bible studies, all sorts of stuff that gets a thorough editorial process. Which is good. Which is really necessary and maybe what differentiates Bridgebox as a product from whatever this is. Yes. So Bridgebox, MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox, $8 a month <clears throat> uh, donation. You get all sorts of good stuff for yourself. Also help us fund our deacons program. Other stuff we do here in Chicago. Help us with uh, good work that lead us down there in Tennessee. It's a great way. Support the work we do. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. May is a great month to jump on. We're answering the question, what does it mean to love God with everything I've got? If you like the podcast, we are for the first time, because I didn't think of it before, have a bonus little bit of podcast content. You hear a little behind the scenes of how we put together the sermon that you'll hear Glenn give in Bridgebox. So if you're a fan of the podcast, it's a great month to jump on. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. If you have us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. First question comes in anonymously, and it says, how do you stay positive in a negative environment that you can't leave? How do I have patience? And Jed, why don't you kick us off? Sure. So this is a great question. Patience is a virtue. And here's what we mean when we say virtues. Virtues are aspects of God's character, and they are things that we receive from God. We don't generate them in ourselves. <laughs> we receive them from God. This is very important. And this is something I learned from Glenn. So I just want to note that right now, because that also is important. So virtues are aspects of God's character. We receive them from God. We don't generate them in ourselves. Uh, so part of receiving patience means going to God and saying, I need patience. But while we're having that conversation, we might want to broaden out a little bit to this. Let's tell God about our struggles. Let's tell him how we're feeling. Let's tell him, I am in a negative environment. I am trying to have a good attitude. It is not easy. I am having a hard time with this. And then say, I need you to give me strength to be patient, to be long-suffering in the midst of this situation. There's a phrase that comes up in the Bible, both in the New Testament and the Old Testament. The first half of the phrase is the same in both. It says, cast your cares upon the Lord. That's a great phrase. In the New Testament, that phrase ends, because he cares for you, which he totally does. And it's really awesome. In the Old Testament, that phrase says, and he will strengthen you. Cast your cares upon the Lord, and he will strengthen you. And that's really what we're talking about here, is the idea of... If we need God's strength, and we do, when we're in a situation that is negative and that is harsh and where, you know, being patient is kind of the only way through it, then we need God's strength. But the journey to getting that strength begins with casting our cares on the Lord. It begins with saying, I have cares. I have things that I'm having a hard time with. I, I have struggles. This is the polar opposite of trying to grit our teeth and trying to say, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. Everything's great. I'm just, you know, 
And hang in there. It's like, no, things are not fine. This is really hard. This is really challenging for me. Right. I'm, I'm having a difficult season with this. One more bonus point on this. We want to begin and end that journey with the Lord. In other words, we want to go to him and say, here's how I'm doing. I need strength. I, you know, I, I need you to, to, to give me day by day, moment by moment, that, that supernatural power to be patient. But if we can, it's not always possible, but if we can and where we can, we want to find another person we can be honest with too. Um, we need to be careful in the way that we choose that person because there are a lot of people who are not prepared to listen. There are, are people who, if we say, I'm having a hard time, are going to tell us bad advice off of that. But where we can, we want to find a person that we can be honest with, that we can vent to, that we can keep it real with. Um, they don't have to have a ton of wisdom to feed back, to make that situation okay. Because sometimes there isn't a lot to say. It's just Dude, I'm sorry it sucks. But if we can unburden ourselves with the Lord and with another person, that's going to help a lot with not keeping things bottled up and with having that strength that we need to keep going one more day. That is all really, really good stuff. And Glenn, I'd love to get you to, to pick us up here. And this is obviously something we deal with a lot with the men and women we work at, at the bridge, a number of whom are uh, were incarcerated or currently in like a rehab kind of situation, residential program. And uh, Jed mentions the bad advice there. There's a lot of um, people who want to tell them, they say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time or I'm not happy here. So, we just, you know, you can't, they can't make you stay there. Right. Well, no, but there's a lot of good stuff happening. So how much, how much of this is, the person says, you know, say positive and negative environment. How much of this is kind of not letting the negativity get to you in the moment? Well, yeah, I, well, it's a, that's a fascinating question really, because it's funny how, uh, particularly things that wound our pride, things that that um, that hurt us emotionally, that where where it's a hurtful thing, where that hurt sort of gets up the block before we can grab a hold of it in order to reject it. Mm-hmm. You know that the, there are times where we are uh, vulnerable on on certain points, and man. I know this guy's just being a jerk, but it just sticks in my craw that, that you know, it, it just bothers me. Yeah, the know? classic example um, we we use amongst ourselves is we get a lot of guys who are good dudes, they're working their recovery, they're working hard, and at some point, somebody in a house they live in for free, where part of the deal is you will help up with chores, we'll tell them to clean that up, and they'll just leave. Yeah. Because he mm-hmm. said it mean. That's right. Yeah, and he he said it like he thinks I haven't lived my life well. You know, whatever <laughs> you're projecting a little, my man. But that's the thing is we we do need to start with looking at pride as one thing. Pride's not helping you. That's a bag of rocks that's just weighing you down. It, yeah. It's just as well that you get rid of it. It's 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 hurting you. Uh, but that alone eliminates a whole raft of negative things that would get to you that would bother you you can't stop people from being jerks as far as that goes i mean you do things to hopefully reduce uh the the intensity and frequency of that the jerkitude yeah uh, but if you say uh if you say okay i'm not going to let this person get to my pride because i'm just going to get rid of that pride Suddenly, someone could say, well you know you you used to get high all the time now now you think you're just Joe's spiritual. You say, well, you're right. I did get used to get high all the time. And I guess that means I'm not Joe's spiritual. I guess I'm just a person who used to get high and doesn't anymore and is walking with the Lord. So you've got it. You nailed it. Well done. 
you know, you, you just you just taken away that that avenue for somebody to be negative. Uh, the second thing I think with that is a need for acceptance. If you have a situation where you're feeling as though I I need I I crave that sense of acceptance, I need sort of a a one hundred percent um uh, like a unanimous verdict that I am a good worthwhile person and I bring a lot to the table and all of that. That if I have that need for acceptance, and someone is on the far opposite end of that is saying you are unacceptable because you don't do this or you aren't the way I want you to be, then you end up trying to chase that. So that negativity is not just affecting you, but it's manipulating you. If you can get rid of that need for acceptance and say, well, you know, Billy doesn't really accept me, but Billy's kind of a putz. So, (laughs) yeah. uh, And I don't need Billy to like me. I I have enough uh, people liking me in my life. That's I'm I'm full up. It, it, it it'd be nice if he liked me, but it wouldn't really change anything. And also, it also wouldn't mean that much if he accepted me because Billy's working his situation out. Billy doesn't know he doesn't really know me and what's going on with me all that well. It'd be nice if he thought well of me, but he can't evaluate the world around him because he's still trying to evaluate his own self. So. Uh, you know, I think that's about deciding who gets input. It's about looking at the people in your life and saying, there's really ought to be a very small number of people who get input and a whole lot of people that don't really know you, that don't really get to have that kind of input. You don't need their a sense of acceptance from them. Uh, you don't need to be carrying around a sense of pride and everybody needs to answer to that. If you get into that place, it's really a lot tougher for people to, to put their negativity on you. That's really, really sharp answer to that. And Leo, love to get you closed out here. I think there's definitely a uh, an aspect of your work with with young people that this comes up, maybe even as much as it does up here. We're dealing with post professional programs, which is that kind of a, uh, a that sense of feeling stuck. And yeah. if you're a young person, as often is living in someone else's house in a legally binding kind of way. So right. there are some things. There are some practical things you can do that, and you know, with our guys that may. You know, be you know, are you work? Are you looking to work a job and getting to a stable point in your life with a young person that's you know, maybe counting down the days until you go to college? But there's some things we need we need to do now, just kind of mentally to gain sanity. And what are some of those little bits? Yeah, absolutely. I was actually in a in a situation with a guy uh, last month, and he you know he's 18 years old, wants to you know want, you know looking for a place to live, kind of thing, and uh, and and. You know, the whole when you kind of dig into the situation a little bit more, he was just there were some things around the house he didn't want to do. And it's like, well, dude, if you don't have the money to have your own place yet, then you might want to wash a dish every now and then at that house where you live, you know, because uh, anybody else that you stay with, they might ask you to wash a dish too. And it's kind of that same thing of like, what, what, you know, the thing that had him feeling stuck was something you'd have to do if you had your own place anyway. I think when we're when when we're in that thing of feeling stuck, one of the things that we need to focus on is what is my goal? Where do I want to get to? And what can I do right now that's going to lead me to the place where I can achieve that goal? So, if my goal is I want to get a different job, I feel stuck in the job that I'm in right now. Um the the one thing that I need to start doing is start thinking what kind of steps do I need to take to get a different job? Uh, if it's at a different place, 
then do I need to fill out some applications? Do I need to find out what the what the job requirements are, whatever those things are? If I need to get, uh, if I if I have a goal of you know switching to working in a different department in the job that I'm working right now, then who do I need to talk to about what kinds of things I need to do? In other words, there are going to be step one, step two, step three. There's going to be a series of steps to reach the goal that you want to to get to where to where you won't feel that stuck thing where where you won't feel stuck. So let's start doing some of those things right now. And then the second thing is. Uh, and I think this is where my my friend got hung up from before, and and it's where a lot of folks get hung up when they're stuck is is that feeling of being stuck of where I don't like where I am. It can cast a kind of a a cloud over the whole experience. Like everything about this sucks, and so everything is negative. When there may be some things that you do have control over that you can do uh, in a positive way with a positive attitude that you can start celebrating some small victories, some small wins. And if we can isolate some of the things that you actually do have under your control, um, then you can start saying, I'm doing this well with a good attitude and I'm getting a good result out of this. I've got a job well done here, or I've got healthy relationships with these people that I'm working with, or uh, these neighbors uh, in in the house where I'm staying or whatever it is. Within any kind of feeling where you're stuck, there's got to be some little area where you've got some control. So the places where you do have some control, how can you do that well? Do that well with a good attitude, celebrate those victories, and then start moving towards the the little things that I can do today to achieve my eventual goal. I think those types of those types of practical things can really, really change the way you feel about this this kind of hopelessness of feeling stuck. That's all very, very good advice. We're going to move on to our second question here. It comes in anonymously, and it says, What exactly is the book of Jonah about? Why does he flee from the Lord, and why does God send a huge fish after him? That's a very good question. I would love to hear your perspective. Thanks a lot. And Glenn, why don't you start us off here? Well, for sure. I think uh, the the book of Jonah to kind of give you a, a, a you know big, broad overview uh, God comes to Jonah and says, I want you to go to a place uh, called Nineveh. Uh, Jonah thinks about that and reacts exactly the way that I would. Pass. Uh, uh, yeah, no, thank you. Uh, Nineveh w- had a, a very unpleasant uh, king who was definitely not down with uh, God. And so, uh, you know, that he, he foresaw that that would not go well, uh, goes down to the uh, the seaside there, gets on a boat going the exact opposite direction, uh, gets into a, a storm. Uh, the the people uh, end up figuring out that it's Jonah, throw him overboard, and he's swallowed by a fish. So that's, uh, that. if we could sort of pause the story there, I think the first thing that that story is trying to illustrate to us is this idea of calculating the odds of what will go wrong without any wisdom from God and just going on your own ideas of what will work and won't work. Uh, it turns out your powers to know what is a good idea and a bad idea don't don't really work out. Uh, I think I may have given this example before on the show, but it would have been a long while back. So it bears repeating. Uh I was invited to go on a a Christian TV thing, 
And I thought of this thing as pretty shady. But I took the time for some crazy reason to say, Lord, uh, uh, should I do it? The Lord says, yes, you should definitely do it. I say, okay, but it seems shady, but okay, I'll do it. So I went down to the thing, it uh, was on the show. It was three times more shady than I thought it would be. I mean, it was just really weird and bad and creepy. And I am just fuming, like, what, why on earth would this be the thing to do? And I'm walking out the door, and there's a guy in sort of this a control room thing, just wires and switches everywhere, that kind of in, in, the, in the bowels of the station there. And he comes out and he says, man, you know, I just, I loved everything you had to say, and, um, you know, I, I just think it was great that you were on the show and, and all of that. I am leaving this place because I've kind of had enough of it being shady, and I'm going to be uh, the station manager of a radio station. I'd love for you to come be on a show that I'll do there, and if you like it and you like hanging out and being part of it, I'd like to give you a show on that radio station, and I ended up with a show on that radio station. All that came out of the last five seconds as I'm fuming and walking to the parking lot. If I recall the story correctly, that was dude's la- literal last day. On yeah, the it's his there. last day. I mean, he's like about to punch out and, and we're just bumping into each other in the hallway kind of a thing. So it's one of those things of, you know, I, I never could have foreseen that. So being able to calculate those odds uh, is, and, and uh, trying to have a sense of what will work and won't work out uh, without listening to the Lord is, is a fool's errand. Second thing is that God obviously gives second chances to people who screw up and are, are wayward. Yeah. Uh, so um, think about it like this: uh, the, the the story is he goes to the shore, he gets on the boat, goes way out too far because they try to get the the boat back to shore, they can't. So they're way out on the on the on the way out there. Storm hits, they throw him overboard. Since he's overboard, the storm calms down. You know, the fish swallows him. Now, you and I know the rest of the story, but just pretend you didn't know the rest of the story. If you're Jonah, you think, that's it. Yep. This what is a my stupid way to die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is my punishment. <laughs> and the Bible actually, uh, if you read the, the book of Jonah, there's a one entire chapter of it is him praying mm-hmm. inside the stomach of the fish, and he's giving thanks to God. He's saying, you know, uh, this is, you, you were, uh, I was wrong to do what I did and you are right. And, you know, I, I just wish I had a way of, 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 you know, praising you again and, 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 you know, giving honor to you and all this. Here's the thing. As soon as he's done with that prayer, (laughs) the fish spits him up on dry land. Okay. So what's the deal? The whole time the fish is swimming him back. So the point of that story is there's a thing that you think of as punishment that you think of as God's condemning you. But that might be the vehicle that's bringing you back to where you mm. need to go. The, 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 this was a submarine ride. How else is he going to get back to shore? He's out in the middle of nowhere. You see what I'm saying? Mm. It's maybe an unpleasant way to solve the problem, maybe reinforcing a point why we just do it my way. But that's not a punishment. That was a vehicle for a restoration for him. Absolutely. That's a really, really good introduction there. And, Lee, I think there, there's um, more to this this idea that Glenn has given us this framework of there's this story of Jonah, which is an extreme story 
to make some points that the Bible makes a lot of other places, maybe not yeah. in such a lined out way. And can you uh, follow that trail a little bit for us? Yeah, absolutely. You know, because there's the whole issue of these people um, that that God says, I I have some good news for some folks. So I mean, I have I have a you know this stern message, but um, but God knows the whole time I've actually got good news for these people. So. Uh, he tells Jonah, go tell these people to repent, you know, or it's over kind of deal. And Jonah says no, because he basically doesn't like them. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't like those people. And one, you know, to, if you're going to simplify this thing down as, as just reduce it down as much as you can, one of the points that this story is making is God really loves the people you don't like. Um, and he has good news for them. If people say to the Lord, um, hey, uh, look, if, uh, if there's another way, um, I'll, I'll get on that. And God says, come on. Um, just as Glenn's saying that God has a, gives Jonah a second chance, he gives all these people another chance. All these people that, uh, that don't deserve it, um, that, that don't deserve a second chance from God at all. And they, they, you know, they beg God to have mercy on him and he has mercy. Um, God has has mercy on people that that Jonah doesn't like. It's super interesting that you know, like Glenn's saying, there's this whole chapter where the dude is like, "Man, I super screwed up. Oh, if only I could." And then you know, the fish swims him back, spits him out, and he still doesn't want to do the thing. And then when God has mercy on these people, Jonah says to God, "You see why I didn't do want to do this? Because I knew you were like this. I knew you're nice to people and." I'm not happy about it. And he was just super pissed off. And you're wondering where the second fish is going to come in, you know, at at that point. But, but this is one of the things about, about the God that we have is that with, uh, you know, with the the people that other folks look at, um, you know, religious folks look at these people and say, they don't count, they're on the outside, we don't want anything to do with them. And the Lord says, no, I got plans for them, and I've got good news for them down the line. Watch this. You may not like them, but they're my people. I'm I'm going to do something cool here. I'm going to do something merciful. And that's the that's the heart of God for the 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 folks that we don't understand, the folks that we don't like, the folks that that we don't get it. God has a a merciful uh, merciful heart towards them and he has good news for them. Absolutely. And Jed, because you're you're very very fancy, yes. I believe you've done some outside reading for this Ooh, question. Indeed I have. So, um people often ask us about books because uh, Christians love books. Oh yeah. Is there any particular <laughs> subset of Christians that love books? Uh, let's let's not worry about okay. that. Okay. White people. <laughs> white people. So Christians love books. So we often get questions about you know are there are there good books? No. There are no. Wow, books. a strong anti-book stance. I like the Bible from Jed. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, not Gutenberg's biggest fan. Doesn't like the medium. Prefers scrolls. <laughs> you put my dad who's a scribe out of business, you jerk. All right. So people ask us about books, and I got a good one for you. There is a rabbi. He's passed away now, but a fellow named Abraham Heschel. And um, he was a part of the civil rights movement in the 60s. He's a really super cool dude. And um, particularly if you're interested in anything related to the prophets, his his uh, magnum opus is a book called The Prophets. It's amazing. It's fantastic. It is not light reading, but it is worth your time. Um, this is a comment. It's from a different work, but this is what he had to say about the book of Jonah. And there's definitely some good wisdom in this for us. So this is Abraham Heschel. 
Jonah is running to Tarshish. When 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 God called Jonah, he ran away, and the city he was trying to go to is a city called Tarshish. Yeah. That's, that was going to be his getaway. Jonah is running to Tarshish while Nineveh is tottering on the brink. Are we not all guilty of Jonah's failure? Mm. We have been running to Tarshish when the call is to go to Nineveh. What is the use of running when you are on the wrong road? People all over the world are waiting for a way out of distress. Will help come out of those who seek to keep alive the word of the prophets? And there's a lot there. There's a lot of cool stuff to think about, but I think there's a few takeaways there. The first is all of us have kind of ignored things God has asked us to do. Mm-hmm. All of us. There aren't any exceptions to that. But that also means that if you're, if, because maybe not, but if you've committed that particular sin in your life, I certainly have, you're not the first person to do that. Um, you are not a special kind of sinner that the world has never seen before and that God has never dealt with before. I think a lot of Christians struggle with that. I feel like they are a new kind of evil that's never been, that's just never occurred before. That's just not true. God's been dealing with imperfect people going back a very, very long time to at least Jonah. The next thing is, and I can say this from my own personal experience, is that you running away from what God has for you doesn't have to be the end of the story. Yeah, um, right. The moment that you're ready for something new, God is ready for something new. Jonah straight up said no and ran away, and God didn't give up on him. And in fact, as Glenn rightly points out, God used that whole time in the fish to bring him around to the thing he had for him originally. What I found in my own life is I spent a lot of time running away from God. God used all of that to help make me Mm -hmm. the person that he wanted me to be. It isn't wasted time. It's so easy for us to look at that and say it's, it's wasted time. But here's the last piece of it. God had a mission for Jonah's life, and that was ultimately about helping other people. God has that same mission for your life, too. He wants you to help other people. It's easy for us to, as as Heschel puts it, it's easy for us to run really hard on the wrong road um, and to wear ourselves out on, on things that don't have a lot of substance or consequence to them. But here's the key thing. God has things of substance and consequence for your life. God has things that matter for your life. And there's no screw up. There's no disobedience. There's no sin that changes that. If you're ready today for a meaningful, purposeful life that God designed you for, he's ready. And that's a good word. Indeed it is. And again, that's Abraham Heschel, H-E-S-C-H-E-L. It's available pretty much anywhere you get books. All right, we move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously. It says, what does it mean when people say God doesn't have anything to do with sin? What does, the, does that mean he leaves us? He didn't say, but didn't he say he would never leave us? I am confused and sad. When people say that kind of nonsense, it makes me confused and sad as yep. well. Lee, why don't you start us off? Uh, right there with you, question asker. So glad that you wrote it in. Um, here's the thing. The key on your question is the way that you wrote the question. You said, what does it mean when people say that God doesn't have anything to do with sin? Um, God doesn't leave us. Exactly as you said, uh, God, uh, Jesus said, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. If God didn't have anything to do with sin... Um, Jesus would not be able to hang out with any of us because we are all sinners. And even though we've been saved, we all still sin, like quite a little bit. And uh, in the end of the book of Hebrews, it says, um, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? Here's the deal is, it's exactly as you said, people say this, that God doesn't have anything to do with sin. But actually, um, Jesus has tons to do with sin. Um, 
in the sense that God God has tons to do with sin in the sense that he uh like Paul says in the book of Romans that he sent his son as a as a as a sin offering um to take care of sin to to do away with the power of sin to do away with the penalty of sin Paul actually says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that Jesus he who be, who had no sin uh became sin for us on our behalf um to to pay for it that's how much he has to do with sin. The, 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 the reason that, that people say stuff like this, by the way, is that the thing that people most want is a neat and tidy theology that has a, a nice little bow on it where everything is completely neat. There's nothing out of place. We can understand everything. Nothing is confusing. And you can answer every question. And the problem is that the world is messy and everybody is a sinner and it's just not going to to fit inside those tidy neat little theologies the thing is is that people are afraid of sin they're afraid of it in themselves and they're afraid of it in you and the idea is if i could scare you straight by telling you that god doesn't want to have anything to do with you if you are a sinner then uh then maybe you won't do the things that are making me so afraid and the the problem is that doesn't work of course and god knows it doesn't work and so the really really cool thing about the lord is that he has done um for us the way that he has dealt with sin is what all true and good outreach does which is you go straight to where sin is um and you hang out and you have dinner and you listen and you get to know that person, and you love them, and you figure out how you can help them. That's what the Lord has done for me. It's what he's done for you. It's what he's done for everybody on this podcast. We all have sin in our life, and he has come down into our life, and he's stuck around, and he's listening, and he's taking care of us in the middle of it. He actually became sin for us. So I understand why why you feel confused and sad. I would too if that were the truth of things, but the truth is is that Jesus has actually become sin because he loves us so much. That is all really fantastic stuff and a great place to start. Glenn, why don't you pick us up there? Because I think Lee has done a, an amazing job laying out for us what the actual reality is here, what, the, yeah. what um, God actually says about it. Let's turn to the people. Yeah. Because they're definitely saying something when they say this. They may not be uh, communicating what they think they are, but there's definitely something you should pick there's up from There's a message. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah. The, 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 the message is, do not listen to me. <laughs> yeah. I, I cleaned it up a little bit for what was in my head, but... Uh... <laughs> what was in your head? <laughs> you can guess. Yeah, you can Email us, say that podcast email.com. We'll have a vulgarity contest. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. Like, uh, th- this is what makes me sad about this. It's, it's, a, it's a guilt manipulation move. It's saying, feel bad, uh, because when you sin, God just goes away. God is freaked out by your sin. Here's the thing about that. That makes it easier to sin. Yep. That's how bad you are at manipulating people. It certainly makes the second sin easier. Because the first one kind of did all the work. That, this is the thing. If I thought God ran away and hid his eyes every time I did something wrong, that'd make it a lot easier for me to screw up. Sure. You know, I mean, yeah. and some people do actually kind of think that way and live that way. And 
they fall off a whole lot. And they also have this confused moment where they come back to God and say, you're never going to believe what I did, Lord. <laughs> like, dude, get, grab some self-awareness, my man. I mean, you know, he knows what you're doing. If you think God is present with you in every moment, it makes it a whole lot tougher for you to give yourself permission to screw up and do things you shouldn't do and be in places that you shouldn't be uh, and, and hanging out with people that you shouldn't be hanging out with. Uh, uh, God loves sinners. That's that's the it, And he gave his life for sinners. Yeah. This is what's going on. Uh, Jesus was criticized, of course, uh, rather viciously in in his earthly ministry and the the probably one of the worst attacks that was leveled on him was that he was a friend of sinners yeah and uh i think that's a good uh uh uh, criticism to be receiving i -hmm. hope that people can criticize me in exactly that same way and i i hope that that would fit uh but there's another thing here uh, and I think it's the main thing, the thing I really, uh, you, you absolutely need to deal with today is you've got to learn to live with your sin. Yep. Now, I I get why someone says, take all of the sin in your life and just be totally freaked out about it and have no acceptance of it and obsess about it and any amount of any of it just spaz out. And, you know, so if you're watching porn, take your computer into the alleyway with a baseball bat, beat up the computer, because you can't live with the idea that you did it. Okay. You want to see naked people. (laughs) See, I get why that sounds like that's the intense version, the extreme version. You're really going at this thing full tilt. All that's nonsense. Doesn't have the power to change your life. All of that is going on emotion. All of that is going on you not being able to deal with what's going on in your life. You're not able to accept, I have these desires. I have these temptations. I have these struggles. I had this trauma from my past. I have uh, you know, physical things that my body craves that would put me in, in a bad position and so on and so forth. If I accept that those things are true, I can strategize how to deal with them. I can be smart about it. I can figure out how to avoid temptation. I can figure out how to keep myself from being in an environment where I'm more likely to backslide on things. I can figure out when I start to go down the wrong road, I can stop myself because I have that awareness and I have that acceptance. If I'm just freaked out about sin, I'll get halfway down that road of, of, of falling off I feel so guilty. I say, I might as well fall off because I'm already yeah, halfway there. That's right. All of that that um, that harsh treatment of the body, that is, as the Bible calls it, that, that beating up on yourself, the Bible says that lacks the power to restrain sensual indulgence. It's this idea that the more you beat up on yourself, the, the more you diminish your power to actually fight this thing you're trying to fight. You have to accept it. You are a sinner. It's natural to you. It's part of your life. You have to figure out how to deal with that and how to manage it. But you can't do that if you can't accept it. 
that's all really, really sharp stuff. And Jed, love you to close this out. I think part of what is, is going on here is there's a, another fundamental uh, misunderstanding underlying this one. It's kind of a little bit about what we talked about accountability on the last show, which is this idea we talked about before between guilt and conviction. Yes. This idea that you'd be convicted that something is wrong, and that would, you said, I'm, I should not be doing this thing. I feel convicted. I will change that. Versus if you think, I should not be doing this thing, and God's probably mad at me. Yeah. And may squish me. May send a flood of lizards. Who knows what he'll do? First fog, then lizards. Oh, no. First comes the fog, then comes the lizards. <laughs> it's an old Welsh proverb. <laughs> well, there's, there's a part of that, as, as, as Glenn pointing out there, you can track the thought process on that dialing up, which a certain, a, a certain amount of legalism always has. But it is counterproductive, and we probably do need to directly uh, combat that with some, you know, not insanity. Yes, absolutely right. Okay, first off, full stop. The people that suggest God leaves you when you sin are wrong. That's yes, right. they're yeah. making up something and saying it's in the Bible when it isn't. Yes. The Bible has something to say about that. Yes, it's it's again it. It's not positive. Super not. The Bible actually says, as you rightly point out in your uh, question, uh, Jesus promises to never leave you or forsake you. So oh. there's a, Paul gives a whole list of things in Romans 8 that don't separate us from the love of God, including angels and demons and everything. Literally everything. Or just like a sin that I do? Does well, do one it? particular sin. I see. I think we all know which one. But it's written on scrolls, so it's <laughs> fine with it on some level. Okay, here, here's what the Bible says further. It says, um, this comes from 2 Corinthians one twenty two, that when you got saved, God's Holy Spirit took up residence inside of you. Uh, it says that he has placed his spirit inside of you as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. God has moved into your heart, dude. Um, it, Jesus talked about being grafted onto the true vine. You are connected to God. When you become saved, it is true that you are adopted as his child. That That is part of what's going on, an aspect of what's going on. But it is also true that you are being connected in an intimate and unbreakable way to the God of the universe. He literally lives inside of you. His spirit lives within you. Um, the idea that that goes away, if he's not with you when you sin, does that mean his Holy Spirit no longer lives inside of you? I, I mean, that's, that's absurd. It's like in the vampire movies, when it becomes daylight, he hisses and then shuttle, <laughs> scuttles off into the shadows. <clears throat> this, this, is just, this is just nonsense. That's just not how this works. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and again, that's as simple as just saying to God, yes, this thing you have for me. I want that, yes. If you have done that, then the Spirit of God lives inside of you. You are grafted onto the true vine. You are connected in an intimate and unbreakable way to God, full stop. Now, you're still a sinner. You will be a sinner till the day you die. This side of eternity, you will always be a sinner. What do we do with that? Well, we need to be very clear about the difference between the word guilt and the word conviction, just like Matt was pointing out. You, let's imagine, and for some of us it may be hard, but imagine you did something wrong. There are two thoughts that could occur in your brain. Thought one is, look at what you did. You're the worst. Okay? Mm. That makes sense. Makes emotional sense. Thought two is, look at what you did. You're better than this. Yep. Now, here's the funny thing. If you don't think about it very much, those sound like pretty similar thoughts. 
There's not a huge difference between them. I mean, if you don't really, really think about it, <laughs> but they go in wildly different directions. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll explain. Look at this thing you did. You're the worst. You're awful. You're disgusting. You're filth. You probably need something to make you feel better, given how awful you are. You know what might make you feel better? Doing that thing again. Oh, you did that thing again. You're the worst. <laughs> well, that's the thing people who are the worst do, and you're the worst. I've created a self-sustaining cycle here. Indeed you have. If you're not sure, that's guilt. God that's has it. hidden his face from whatever you're doing. Keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> The other one, the one that says, dude, you're better than this. That's conviction. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit, that voice that calls you to your higher self, that voice that, that calls you to, to be a, a different person than, than you have been in the past. But now here's the funny thing. First of all, that voice is gentle. Sometimes it's insistent, but it's never harsh. It's, it's, it's gentle. It's, it's the call of, of the Lord. It's the call of his spirit. Uh, the fruits of the spirit are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. God exhibits those. They come from him. So this is a good thing. The problem that we get into is it really has to do, as Glenn was saying, with the way that we think about sin. We tend to think about sin as being this couple of big ticket items that I'm trying to get down to where I do them very irregularly. And if we're going to be honest, those are a bunch of sex stuff and maybe drinking too much and cheating on an exam or, you know, doing something, you know, fraudulent at work or whatnot. And if I'm not doing those things, I'm basically sinless. So we're pretty much all good. That's the model a lot of people have of sin. That's not what the Bible says. When the Bible uses the word sin, it's a term that comes from archery. That means you did not hit a bullseye. You you fell short of the mark. That's all day, every day. Right. Everything you do all day, every day is falling short of the mark. (laughs) In fact, the Bible declares explicitly everything that does not come from faith is sin. Right. Think about that for a second. (laughs) Right. That's a lot. (laughs) That's a whole lot. Jesus says, be perfect. Right. I think we're all falling wildly, wildly short. The problem is the sins that we feel guiltiest about and the sins that are actually wrecking our lives are very rarely the same thing. People feel very guilty about the naughty things they look at online. And it's not to say those things aren't wrong, but pride, to take it all the way back to question number one, I can't tell you how much wreckage pride wreaks in people's lives, how many things it destroys. I've almost never felt a person who felt guilty about their pride. Right. Almost never. If you really want to turn this thing on its head, start going to God and asking, forget which sins I feel guilty about. Mm. Which sins are keeping me from the life you have for me? There it is. Which sins are keeping me from a closer walk with you where I'm more real with you and I'm more honest? Which sins are keeping me from being the person you created me to be? I think you're going to find that list is very different than the things you're inclined to feel guilty about. Yeah, not to interrupt you, but that pride is exactly the channel that the devil's coming in on with the condemnation yes. of look what you did, you call yourself a Christian. If you say, well, no, I'm a sinner, and you don't have that pride, then right. it all makes sense. But he puts you up on that pedestal with the pride, then he just knocks you right down once you make any form of mistake. It's his favorite game. Yep, yep. that and it's one you certainly cannot win. So it's better to just uh you may notice <laughs> that we we began our talk yeah. of the we began the show by talking about how we're such awful people that you probably wouldn't want to use your full name to be associated with us. Is that entire? Is that taking you a little too far? Maybe. As in all things, the the say that podcast may serve as a left limit to this other side's right limit, but yeah. hopefully happiness lies somewhere in the middle. That's right. All right, we're taking out this. If you have a question for us, say that podcast gmail.com, dot 
Tumblr.com to have the song this week. This is one of Jed's worship songs, Live the Bridge. You can get this now, uh, the Live at the Bridge Ooh. worship album on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you download or stream music. This is called The One. And Woo! technically, it's about sheep, but you can pretend it's about lizards if you want. Sure. You got that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, if a hundred skittering lizards running through your sanctuary sounds stupid to you, then you can't really be okay with a fog machine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're the one. Loud as you can.